in Daniel 4, verse 13. Nebuchadnezzar says, I was on my bed watching the visions in my head, and I saw a watcher who was a holy one come down from heaven. Who was this? So the Aramaic text says he was a watcher, that he was holy, that he was from heaven. I agree that angel is, is a really good explanation of who this was. Doesn't have to be necessarily the son of God, but certainly an angel from heaven. And I'm just going to add that um, uh, in our, uh, whenever we do a doctrinal look at angels, this verse comes up as one of the names for angels that's rare, it only occurs here, you know, but the same is true also of the seraphim. Anybody know the only passage in the Bible where the seraphim are mentioned? It's Isaiah 6. Isaiah sees a vision of angels who are flying around the throne of God. And unlike the cherubim, charav in Hebrew means to glow like a light bulb, the cherub, the, char, the charavim, the cherubim, are glowing from the inside and the cherubim are the ones who often are, for example, standing over the Ark of the Covenant or protecting God's people. One of them is holding the flaming sword at the east end of the Garden of Eden and so forth. But the saraf, a seraphim, have actually burst into flame. That's what saraf means. Not just glowing, but now erupted into fire. Those are the ones that are flying around the throne of God and they have six wings. With two they cover their feet with two they cover their eyes, and with two they are flying. But only in Isaiah 6. Um, so here, Daniel 4, we're going to get watcher a couple times. The watcher also um, comes and speaks to Daniel. Um, and he calls out loudly, and this is what he said. Do the angels ever whisper or mumble? I don't think angels wear COVID masks. And I don't think that any of the angels are shy. Um, they always speak loudly. And what does he say? Chop down the tree. If you were thinking, what a great tree, and that's what the angel says, now you're going to start to tremble. Cut off its branches. What, do you, what are you doing with a log if you chop down the tree and cut off the branches? What did it just become? Firewood or lumber, either you're going to cut it up and build something out of it or you're just going to burn it, right? But it just became, that's not a useful tree. You're not going to, you're not going to bring it inside the house like Katie Luther was once astonished when her husband dragged a tree inside the house. The first Christmas tree. What was Luther's point? What does the Christmas tree represent? He put candles on it to display the glory of the stars in the heaven. That's what the Christmas tree's significance is. It's the power of our holy creating God. That's what he said. That was the point. How did it get to all of our houses? Is it because we're Lutheran? Well, I think that Queen Victoria's husband had something to do with it. Queen Victoria married a German, a German Lutheran, and he brought over the idea of the Christmas tree into the palace. And while it shocked some people, everything they did became a, a national and worldwide craze 
because of the invention of what mass communication item that was contemporary with, with Victoria? The magazine. It was the dawn of the magazine. And that's why every bride today has to look like Victoria. Most of them don't know it. But that's where the idea of a long white dress came from. That's where the idea of lots of bridesmaids came from. That's where the idea of the super wedding came from. It's all Victoria and Albert. Um, but um, anyway, that same thing with the Christmas tree. Came a worldwide fad and other things as well. Okay, strip its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. Why would the animals run away? Well, because the thing got chopped down. It's not good for anything anymore. However, leave the stump with its root in the ground with an iron and bronze band around it. Why would you put a metal band around a tree stump? In the age before dynamite, why would you put a metal band around a tree stump? to make sure nobody else would cut it down anymore. That preserves what it was. Um, it would make sure that it was still there. It would actually make sure that it was still kind of living. So no farther. This far and no farther. Um, well, we're coming to that though. Leave it with the grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew from the sky. Let its place be with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let its mind, what? How many trees are thinking? Well, now we're getting into the dream part of this, right? Even more. Let its mind be changed from that of a human. <gasps> what was the tree? It represents a human, right? So let its mind be changed from that of a human and let the mind of an animal be given to it and let seven times pass over it. Oh, Daniel, always seven times this and seven times that. Time, times, and half a time. What, uh, by the way, what is, it's not in this chapter, what is time, times, and half a time? How many times does that make? It makes exactly three and a half. Because Hebrew has three numbers. Singular, plural, and what else is there besides singular and plural? How many oxen pull my wagon? A pair. There is a dual number in classical languages also. Where you can have one of something, or a pair of something, or many somethings. One, two, and a bunch. And the times in the phrase, time, times, and half a time, is always a dual. So it's one plus two plus a half is how many? Three and a half, which, by the way, is half of what? Seven. Seven. Oh. Okay, just leave that. we got a lot of chapters of Daniel to go before we come back to that one. But leave it in the back of your mind somewhere. But uh, times, so seven times. So we have evidently the tree is not the kingdom of Babylon, which is maybe what a lot of people are thinking. Maybe the tree's Babylon. Cut it down. It's not. It's a person. So then... The proclamation is a, a decree of the watchers. And the matter, by the way, the matter is a command of the holy ones. Is there evidence here that this is an angel and not the second person of the Trinity? Because these are plural. The watchers, the holy ones. Yeah. 
When God speaks of himself, he does not speak in the plural. He says, does he say we are? No, he says, I am. Yeah, so this is angels talking. The proclamation is a decree of the watchers and the matter is a command of the holy ones so that all the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdoms of men. He gives them to whomever he wishes. Who is the them? Probably the kingdoms. He gives them, that is the kingdoms, to whomever he wishes, and he appoints the lowliest men over them, the kingdoms. Yeah, so take a look at this from a poetic standpoint. I have ABAB in the margin here up on the screen. So proclamation matches the matter. And the watchers corresponds to the holy ones. See that? That's classic Hebrew poetry. That's synonymous parallelism. Um, then he says so that the, all the living may, but he, I'm sorry, he says so that all the living may know that the most high rules the kingdoms of men. That's also classic Hebrew style where you have a conclusion that comes off of something else. That's called synthetic parallelism where I begin a thought and then I finish it with a long conclusion so that that could be seen as a poetic couplet or something like that. Um, other, other languages don't like to do that. Um, we like to have it all sewed up nice and neat because we are addicted to rhyme but Hebrew does not rhyme. It just goes into parallel lines. And then, I'm sorry the green doesn't show up very well on the bottom. He gives them to whomever he wishes. He appoints the lowliest men over them. This is a chiastic arrangement. I'm not, we're, we're short on time. I'm not going to go into that. But it's a wonderful poetic Hebrew verse, verse 17. 18. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw. Now you, Belteshazzar, tell me what it means, because none of the wise men of my kingdom are able to make the meaning known to me, but you are able because a spirit of the holy gods is in you. Now, I want to also just say that um, Elohim is the Hebrew word for God, but also the Hebrew word for gods. This is not Hebrew, it's Aramaic, so we have a different ending, but here we have Elohim, which would be the Aramaic word for gods, but could also be the plural of majesty or the Aramaic term for the God, the one God. Um, so I'm going to be a little bit slower to accuse Nebuchadnezzar of polytheism with regard to this term, but maybe in some other places he, he goes there, but that may have been earlier in his lifetime. 19, Daniel explains. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was horrified for a moment, and his thoughts troubled him. And the king said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream and its meaning trouble you. How long had these two guys known each other? 20, 23 years, 25 years, whatever it was. I think that this verse betrays a fondness, maybe a friendship, between Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar has this wild dream and Daniel is no longer just waltzing in to show him the glory of God like when he was younger. Now Daniel is horrified. He's scared because the king is kind of sort of his friend. 
And Daniel knows what it means already. Um, and his thoughts trouble him. And the king says, you know, you're troubled. It's going to be okay, my friend. Don't let it trouble you. Just tell me the truth. This is the way people talk who respect each other and behave when they respect each other. And I think we're seeing something. Now, the king is getting older. The king, uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar reigned 43 years. He came to the throne probably in his 20s or 30s. So by this time, he might be in his 60s or so. Daniel was a teenager 20 years ago, so now he'd be in his late 30s, right? Something like that. So a king in his 60s, and this man who's been like a son to him for 20, 25 years. They, they respect each other. They get along very well. By the way, their ages, to me, are reminiscent of David and who? His dear friend. Jonathan, who was uh, the age of his father. Because Saul was the age of his grandfather. Um, so Jonathan and David were about a generation apart, but very close, very fond of each other. Um, and uh, I think Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar have a similar age and relationship, maybe. So, Belteshazzar answered, My lord, if only the dreams were about your enemies and its meaning about your foes. The tree which you saw grew and became strong. Its height reached to, the, to heaven, and it was visible to the whole earth, as if to say, who else could this be, O king? But it's going to be you. Its leaves were beautiful. Its fruit was abundant. On it there were, was food for all. The wild animals lived under it. The birds of the air lived in its branches. You are the tree, your majesty. Did Nebuchadnezzar provide for everybody? Yeah, time of peace. Great peace in the, in the, in the, in the, in the Near East. In uh, Babylon and Mesopotamia, he had conquered his enemies. That Nobody was at war. Egypt was even leaving them alone. It was a pretty good time to live. You are the tree, your majesty, for you have grown, you have become great. Your greatness has increased and reached to heaven. Your dominion reaches to the ends of the earth. Babylon influenced everybody. True? Yeah, pretty much true. When, when Alexander the Great came through 400 years later, 300 years later, he, riding the coattails of Babylon and Persia, he made it all the way to India. Because that's how far the influence, the, the, the roads had already been cut. The path was already there. The, the, the knowledge was already there. Babylon's influence probably went from Spain to, to um, the Himalayas. From Egypt and from further south, all the way up to, well, we do know it went all the way up to... Um, uh, 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 in uh, Siberia, who are they? They're in the Bible once. The Scythians. So, I mean, how, what of the earth isn't mentioned in that? Well, the, I mean, yeah, the Americas and Australia, right? They weren't conquered yet, but, but um, everything else is there. Even Isaiah at one point, Isaiah has a very strange word for a faraway land that in Hebrew would be pronounced chin. Far away land to the east, Qin. Probably China. Yeah. Just once in Isaiah. Just once. 
And you, your majesty, saw a watcher, this angel, who was a holy one coming down from heaven, and he said, chop down the tree and destroy it. However, leave the stump with its roots in the ground with an ironed and bronze band around it. Let it be with the grass in the field. Let it be wet with the dew of the sky. Its place will be with the wild animals until seven times pass over it. This is the interpretation, your majesty. It is a decree of the Most High that has come upon my Lord the King. If it is an edict, it is an edict from God and not from Nebuchadnezzar. This is the interpretation now. You will be driven away from humans, and your dwelling will be with the wild animals. You will have to eat plants as bulls do. Ooh, salad. Ugh. Um, and you will be wet with the dew from the sky. Seven times will pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdoms of men and he gives them to whomever he wishes. How long is a time? Could be a year. Could be a month. Also, in ancient reckoning, could be something in between those two. Could be a season. Um... My Norwegian ancestors did not say he was 50 years old. What did they say? His hair had seen 50 winters. That's how you tell time. How many winters have passed? Or how many summers or whatever. It was usually winters in Norway. Um, so it could be seasons. How long then would seven seasons be? Yeah, uh, uh, the better part of two years, right? If I said seven seasons from now, I'd be thinking of summer 2022, right? That'd be seven seasons from now. So I don't know if this is seven years, seven seasons, seven months. We have time left in Nebuchadnezzar's reign for any of those. So whatever it was. I do want to mention, I know we're running out of time. We're running low on time. We have ten minutes left. There are outside sources that talk about King Nebuchadnezzar disappearing for a while. Something happened. He, there's, a, there's, a, there's a thing in the Dead Sea Scrolls called the Scroll of Nabonidus where Nebuchadnezzar's son mentions the king going nuts and being gone for a while. He says two years. Um, could that correspond to the seven seasons? Kind of, sort of, yeah. Um, and so it's hard to know because some of them, some of the sources are actually fourth hand where Eusebius, writing in the 300s, quotes a source from the 100s BC, quotes a source from the 200s BC that quotes a Babylonian source, and all of them are gone except Eusebius in the 400s AD. Is that a reliable source? Not if I'm handing in a paper to Mr. Kepsel at MVL. Fourth hand. What do you want if you're writing a historical paper? What kind of sources? primary sources. If I'm going to talk about a battle, I want to quote a guy who was in the battle. Right? Right? Um, we had a member here at St. Paul's. Uh, his first name was Earl. And he, when I would go to visit him as a shut-in, he had seven or six World War II army tanks, models of them, on his mantle, all with different numbers. Why? He had served in all of them. He was a turret gunner. And all, the six of them got blown up with him on top. And he got blown out. Um, 
but, uh, uh, but uh, uh, sorry, I say his name, was, that's his last name. It's Wally Earl was his name. Anybody remember Wally Earl? Wonderful guy, wonderful guy. Passed away early in my time here at St. Paul, maybe 15, 20 years ago. But I, I remember always him, he would, he would, when I went to visit him as a shut-in, he would talk about each tank, where he was in the Battle of Ardennes, in the Battle of this, in the Battle of that. And a really interesting guy. Because they said to leave the stump and, and the roots of the tree, your kingdom will remain yours when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Remember the band around the tree? It'll still be here for you. Therefore, your majesty, let my advice be pleasing to you. And this is Daniel's now recommendation. Break away from your sins with righteousness and from your guilty deeds by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps your prosperity will be extended. Daniel thinks the king has sinned. And so Daniel says, turn from your sin, turn from your guilty deeds. Show righteousness and show mercy. Which of those is the most important one? Who says the first one? Mercy. mercy. Are any of them unimportant? No, they're all important. But probably turn from your sin is uh, the beginning of repentance, to acknowledge my sin. But then, yeah, show mercy, show your repentance, but also do it with righteousness. Have correct faith as the basis of what you do. Was Daniel right? Had Nebuchadnezzar committed the sin yet? Turns out to be, no, he hadn't. Daniel the prophet is mistaken here. Um, the sin hadn't occurred yet. The vision is a warning. And that's where we go to next. So, Nebuchadnezzar's dream is fulfilled. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. By the way, isn't it Nebuchadnezzar writing the chapter as a letter? Yeah, but he kind of falls into the third person here. I wonder if he quotes his own, maybe, prince's sources. His son was Nabonidus, who took over when he was insane and later when he was king. Um, and uh, maybe, he, maybe to find out what happened to him, because he went nuts. Sorry to use the term, but he does. Um, maybe he had to look up the records and write down what happened to him. So all this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, how long later? 12 months, a year later, he was walking on top of the palace of his kingdom in Babylon. This might be the only reference in the Bible to the hanging gardens of Babylon. If it is, it's the only one. The king said, isn't this the great Babylon that I built for a royal residence by my mighty power and my majestic glory? While the world was still in the king, where the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice came down from heaven. It said, it is announced to you, King Nebuchadnezzar, the kingdom has been taken away from you. Um, I don't want to pause really too much, but I'm going to say verse 30 is the other one that tells us that this was late in his reign. So he's building the royal residence. That was late in his reign also. But let's go on. God says, you'll be driven away from humans and your dwelling will be with the wild animals. Grass will be fed to you as grass is fed to bulls. And seven times, if you were Nebuchadnezzar, would you be, would you be thinking, oh, this was that dream I had. Yeah, seven times will pass over you. 
until you know that the Most High rules the kingdoms of men and he gives them to whomever he wishes. Let me go back to the verse 30. What's the sin? Yeah, pride. Look at what I did. Me, me, me. Right? Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar and he was driven away from humans. So he ate grass as bulls do and his body was wet with the dew from the sky until his hair grew long like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. What human being in American history had long nails like bird's claws? Remember him? He built the spruce goose. Howard Hughes. What were, what, were, what were his shoes at the end of his life? Do you know this? Full boxes of Kleenex. He wouldn't trust his feet to any other shoes because he was paranoid of getting infections and things. Wouldn't trim his nails. He kind of, well, well, reminds me of this chapter a little bit. So, this is what happens to him. Driven away from humans. Ate grass as bulls do. Body wet with the dew. Hair grew long like eagle's feathers. Nails grew like bird's claws. Lots of references to different animals. What happened to Nebuchadnezzar? Who is that? Oh, you guys. It's Lon Chaney Jr. as the werewolf. Yeah. He becomes an animal. Uh... I also wanted to show you this picture. It's, it's, it's actually pretty old. Any of you know the poem, Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forest of the night. What immortal hand or eye could, what is it, form thy fearful symmetry? Who is that? Who wrote that? William Blake. Excellent. Extra credit. Um, William Blake lived from 1757 to 1827. Famous British poet, and he painted this. This painting of Nebuchadnezzar, probably the best one ever in history, um, shows Nebuchadnezzar. That's kind of a little grass hut behind him there, and you see Blake's style. Blake it basically draws a cartoon, right? That isn't really a. I mean, that's basically just a cartoon, kind of filled in uh, with colored pencil. Um, but it's an amazing picture. If you look at his face, you'll see the cartoon shape even more than... Um, um, the, the beard I have, I've been growing for how long? Do any of you know? Six weeks. Six weeks. This is what I have. Is that a year's worth of beard? That's, that, that seems like a lot to me for a beard. I... I not all of us are Marv Myhock, who seems to become a Civil War general overnight. But um, uh, 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 what a blessing that he has. But, so Nebuchadnezzar says, by the end of the set time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven. My reason returned to me. We crash pretty far. But then when reason is restored, as we turn, for example, in repentance... When do we see our sins the most clearly? When I'm setting them aside. When I say to God, I can't do this anymore. Help me turn away from... Because in that moment, when I'm in the prayer of repentance, Heavenly Father, help me set this temptation, this sin away. 
I know that God knows all of my thoughts. I know that God knows all of my paths to that sin, whether it's language or hatred or whatever it is or covetousness. And I know that God knows all of my secret little paths to that temptation. And so that's when we see ourselves the most clearly. And as Nebuchadnezzar turns here to back to his sanity, he sees his guilt for what it is. I praised and glorified the one who lives forever because his dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom is forever and ever. My kingdom is nothing. That's what he's saying. All the inhabitants of the earth are considered to be nothing. And he does as he wishes with the army of heaven and the inhabitants of the earth. So there is no one who can hold back the hand of the Most High and say to him, what have you done? Do you have time to just hit the end of this? I'm going to go a couple minutes long, sorry. At that time, my reason returned to me and my splendor and glory returned to me for the honor of my kingdom. So my advisors and nobles looked for me. They had to go find him. Do you get the impression that they maybe kept him out back in the doghouse? Or whatever it was, I don't know. Um, I was reinstated. Actually, there was a park, uh, an animal refuge in Babylon. He might have been put out there. I was reinstated over my kingdom and I became even more majestic than I was before. I think the end of verse 36 is the key to this whole letter. I was reinstated over my kingdom. I'm back in power. I'm no longer insane or whatever happened to me. I'm here again. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the king of heaven because all his works are true, his ways are just, are just all those who walk in arrogance, he is able to humble. I'm, I, can I just briefly go back to werewolfism, that is lycanthropy? This chapter has been seen by commentators for centuries as one of the few examples in history of what was called psychological lycanthropy, where a person believes that they have become an animal through madness or insanity. And uh, one psychologist counted in the 20th century and the 19th century, that is the 1900s and the 1800s, 11 cases in Britain of this happening. In 200 years, 11 cases. Um, there was an American who counted, in all of American history, I think 13 cases in the 400 years since, uh, since uh, the colonies began and so forth. So um, a rare thing, my physician 10 years ago at the clinic we, we got on the computer at the Newell Medical Clinic and typed in the symptoms, and he came up with clinical lycanthropy. Came up with this. He thought he had become an animal, um, went insane and, and became, and he was certainly treated like an animal by his people. But I want to just go through a couple of points about this. Whatever happened to Nebuchadnezzar, he didn't, by the way, become a werewolf. He went mad driven to being treated like an animal by God, right? He didn't just lose his throne, right? He fell further than that. He didn't just become an ordinary citizen. He fell further than that, which to a king was a pretty distant drop, right? He didn't just become homeless. He fell further than that. He became like an animal and fell further than an animal because he became an unwanted animal driven from human society. So he lost his throne, his status, his home, his mind, his dignity, and came very close to losing his life. Would you like to spend two years outside 
you'd start doing that. Right? Now, just consider. Christ didn't just step down from his throne. He came down further than that. Christ became an ordinary human and came further down than that. Christ was rejected by his people, was shunned like a criminal, and even more than that, Christ the Son of God let himself die to rescue Nebuchadnezzar, and more than that, Christ the Son of God rose from the dead to raise up Nebuchadnezzar to eternal life, and us too. By stepping into our world, the world he made for us, and taking on the punishment waiting for every one of us, Jesus invited us into his world, into his heaven, into his glory. By trusting in him, we are assured of a place far better, even than the one boasted about by Nebuchadnezzar in his arrogance. Might we see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven? This is the Bible's final judgment of Nebuchadnezzar. I think maybe. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Ulm, Minnesota.